0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lower your score and improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pureform Golf. This is Off The Tee with Sam Hargraves and Nick Hearn.
2: Uh, It certainly is. Good evening to you and welcome to Off the Tee for another big night as we work our way through all the goings on, all the doings in the wonderful world of golf. And there's no better person to do it to, in my opinion, and hopefully yours as well, than the former world number 16, the only man to beat Tiger twice in match play golf Two zip that record, still stands to this day, won't be beaten, can't be beaten. Nick Ahern, hello. Sam, great to be here. Um, It's been another very, very big week uh, in golf and... um, I always love it when we get to start the show um, by celebrating Australian achievements, which we're going to do in just a moment. But uh, we celebrated a couple of weeks ago the achievement of Lucas Herbert winning his third DP World Tour event in Japan. I can tell you that tonight we will chat to the man himself. He's uh, having a little uh, sabbatical uh, gearing up uh, for next big swing uh, over in the US.
3: You've worked your Bendigo connections, haven't you?
2: I, I actually did. <laughs> I, a couple of friends are friends, and I said, listen, help me out here. Get him on. And they've been good enough to, to help us out. So big thank you to Hayden, uh, who helped with this. Uh, and we will be chatting to Lucas Herbert at 8.30 tonight. But let's start off the show with this. Took extra
0: time, but Hannah Green wins the inaugural JM Eagle LA Championship. Her third win on the lpga tour i see all these emotions coming out from me you look so cool calm and collected what's it where does this come from it's been a long few years i know i played really well last year but getting across the line has been really difficult so i'm really proud of myself for hanging in there because i really didn't think that i'd be in it with the how i was playing and making so many parts so yeah i'm just obviously really happy but the other emotion is coming out right now Uh, you got me going too i mean this is we, we see you always that cool and calm and at what point today did you really start to believe you had this chance i knew you didn't need a low score today to win um I feel like this weekend played a lot different to the first couple of days, so my caddy just said, "Stay patient." Um, you know, you always try and do that, but it's it's harder said than done. So I'm just really proud um, of holding that putt in regulation on 18, and obviously the putt last couple holes. I heard everybody around you—they're calling for a shoey. Will you be doing a shoey? I mean, I guess I have to give the fans what they want, right? But I <laughs> wish I had new shoes. <sighs> Well, many congratulations. You thoroughly deserve this. Well done. Thank you.
2: Hannah Green has won her first LPGA event since 2019. It's her third win on the LPGA Tour. She won the major and then followed it up not long after that in 2019. She did it in absolutely clutch fashion too, Nick. The 25-footer to make the playoff on 18 against Adij Ashok of India and Ziyu Lin of China then makes par on the second playoff hole to win at the JM Eagle LA Championship at Wilshire Country Club. What a performance it was. It and was. Can, and you can
3: hear how much it meant to her. It did. I wonder if she did the shoe. I didn't know if she did or not actually in the end. but no, if she did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'd do it. But anyway, uh, what a performance it was. Yeah, just a fantastic win. Third on the LPGA Tour now, uh, other than, where did she win? Portland and then also the Major Championship as well. But, She'd been playing really well at this course the last couple of years. I think she might have had a runner-up in a third place the last couple of years and obviously has great uh, memories and form at that golf course. It was a fascinating final day, parred the first 14 holes, not really a lot happening for her, but she was hanging around, hanging around, made a two-putt birdie on the par five fifteenth, and then stepped up to 18 knowing she needed to make birdie, hit a beautiful iron shot in there, which unfortunately just didn't kick forward the previous group. You mentioned Aditi Ashok and Giu Lin. Both of those players birdied that hole to get to nine under. And Hannah was eight under playing the final hole, a par three. That's always fascinating, the final hole of a golf tournament being a par three. Something unique in that regard, I guess. But uh, uh, right outside the, the clubhouse here at the Wilshire Country Club, hit a beautiful iron shot, 25 feet, and finally broke the seal on on the putt. I mean, the finally hold, hold the putt. She left everything short most of the day. And, yeah, and, she said and that. All, what a, way to, uh, what a way to do it. But then the first playoff hole, these three, three women go to the first playoff hole. The other two players hit amazing shots in there. Ashok hit it about 12 feet. Uh, Lynn hits it to eight feet. And then Hannah steps up and just pipes one down there to four or five feet. It was amazing. And uh, two of them birdied, went on to the extra hole, and Hannah took the title. Just a f- phenomenal win for the young Mount Lawley member as well, by the way. West Australian, where I come from. See, I like this now.
2: I've brought out the worst in you because every time I get the chance to to, to pump up Bendigo, oh, you've yeah. now gone, okay, if you're going to do that, I'm, yeah. I'm going the whole state of WA.
3: For sure. Well, she's from my home
2: club. I mean, I have to. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Um, I thought it was fascinating too, given that she missed the cut at the Chevron mm. last week. It uh, was very open that she went and saw a sports psychologist. Um, just, I suppose, when you're on a, a bit of a, a dry run uh, in terms of wins, um, any thing that might help and leaving no stone unturned. And it's exactly what she's done. I mean, when she won the, the PGA in 2019 and as you said, then backed it up not long after we were just sort of thinking, well, this is just going to be pardon the pun, but par for the course yeah. for, for Hannah, but it, it hasn't quite turned out like that. So to get this win, I mean, you could just hear the relief, the emotion, all that's gone into it um, would would have thought after missing that cut at the Chevron that, that this would be the furthest thing from happening. Couldn't <laughs> be further
3: away from that other win. It's funny how this game works, Nick. It's the beauty of golf, isn't it? Uh, but last year she played some very solid golf, had some chances to get the win, but just couldn't quite close. So in the post-tournament uh, interview, you could really feel and hear the emotion coming out of her voice and, and Seventy-two holes professional golf—it's very much a pressure cooker—and mm. just to have that release afterwards, the commentators were saying, "You know, you don't really show much emotion on the golf course," which she never really does. That's, she has a very stoic game out there. But then to see her just, uh, right, you know, crying and uh, and just the relief almost on her face because she's obviously gone through some testing times in the past couple of years with her game to to get another win. There is a lot of pressure on on yeah. young, young players. So her ranking now
2: goes uh, from uh, she made up, I think, 13 points to sit number 14 in the world now. Minji, still our highest ranked at, at number six, earned a cool 677000 for the win. Um, and this all bodes very, very well um, heading into the International Crown, which is starting on the 4th of May. So um, the International Crown is this incredible team event where countries actually qualify and send their four best. And um, at the moment the uh, of the eight teams, the Australian team that's going to head in to do battle, uh, representing us, um, Minji Lee, Hannah Green, Steph Kiriaku, a- and Sarah Kemp. So to have two players ranked inside the top 20, mm. I reckon holds us in, in really, really good stead. Um, the Swedish team is very strong of, of, of Maya Stark, Madeline Sagstrom and Nortquist and Caroline Hedwell. Um, and then you have a look at the Korean team where yeah, you've got Jin, Yu, uh, Jin Young-Ko, number three in the world, hyo Kim, number 9 Inji Chun is the 11th-ranked player in the world, and, and their lowest-ranked player is Hai-Jin Choi, who's 25th in the world. Um, and, and then you've got the US team, Nellie Corder, Lexi Thompson, two and six in the world, Lily Avu, who uh, uh, we spoke about last week, 12th in the world, and Danielle Kang is
3: 14th. But um, I'd say we'd, we'd be going in with a... a an air of confidence about us wouldn't we oh for sure well sarah kemp was battling out that fourth spot with grace kim a few weeks ago uh, in the final tournament for qualification and and she just pipped her i think whoever finished higher in that event got into the tournament so all the players are in form uh great to see hannah playing well again um you know and, and and it's just such a very strong tournament it's being held at tpc harding park over there in san francisco what can you tell us well, I've played a World Golf Championship there yep. uh, back in the day. Very strong golf course. They've had a President's Cup there as well, yep. I believe. And who won the – it was Morikawa. That's right. He won the PGA round there recently throughout yep. the lockdowns. I think they had a, a tournament there. But it's yep. very strong Californian golf course. Uh, not very far from Olympic, another fantastic mm. golf course there, San Francisco Golf Club. But they're going to have a lot of fun. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, golfing community in that area.
2: Well, we're looking forward to this. Um, it's amazing how we probably are looking more and more intently and with more excitement when it comes to team events, given everything that's <laughs> happening with live. and um, I think there is a real hunger for it. I think it you've you, you've played in these team events, you played um, President's Cup. What is it about the team event that that adds that something special to it, adds that little something extra to it? The,
3: the biggest thing is it's uh, something different. Mm. yeah.
2: Especially representing a country Exactly. What these guys are.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I loved, my first representation was at the Dunhill Cup when they were back uh, at, at St. Andrews. It was a three-man team. That yeah. was a lot of fun. And You then, and who? Uh, Peter O'Malley and Stephen Leaney. It's a good team. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. Well, I think we got all the way to the quarterfinals. We played pretty well. And then uh, World Cups, done those, which is more two-man teams. Yep. And then obviously the President's Cup. So. Who were you
2: World Cupping with?
3: Uh, that's a very good question. I think one of them was with Stephen Leaney again, yep. and Nathan Green, Greeny. Oh, fantastic! Really good player. So we we, have, we had a blast. Um, but especially for a lot of these young players now, they mm. they go through the college system, and so they love that team aspect, yes. and it takes them back almost to their college days in well, a way. Well, didn't
2: Spieth and Thomas and uh, whoever else they went to college with all go away on the, the boys <laughs> trip whilst uh, there was that they were having a little hiatus recently? So yeah, those memories live Bahamas, with you. Yeah,
3: to the Bahamas. Um, those memories I'd imagine would live with you for a long time. They do, yeah. And you get to be around obviously other high-performing golfers and you can pick their brains about mm. how they can do certain things. Maybe they have strengths that you look to and go, oh, how do you do that? And, and you can really unite as a team. And and from an Australian point of view, we, we all grew up playing pennant golf here and all these girls would have represented their states and at the national level as well. So for them to bring back those sorts of memories for them, they're going to have a blast. Uh, We're going to have a blast
2: with Lucas Herbert after 8.30, so we're very tough on time today. We're going to be very disciplined getting to that 8.30 slot. Uh, When we come back, though, we'll update you on Tony Finau's win. We'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, what Taylor Gooch has done over the last couple of weeks as well. And John Rahm has broken a record halfway through the season uh, that needs to be heard, to be believed. We'll cover all that coming up very shortly uh, on Off the Tee. Um, Off the tee is all thanks to Pure Form Golf. Improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pure Form Golf. The rest of the news is for Ping. Use Ping Golf equipment so you can play your best. Off the tee, SEN.
0: Lower your score and improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pure Form Golf. This is Off The Tee, with Sam Hargraves and Nick O'Hearn. But Tony outlasts number one, and it's a female family fiesta in Mexico. Here they come to help celebrate career win number six on the PGA Tour.
3: Well, I didn't feel comfortable until I was on the 18th green.
0: (laughs) It's always a way.
3: Yeah, it seems uh, no matter how many shots you're ahead, uh, you're just so focused on getting in the clubhouse to win the golf tournament. So... Um, when I hit that third shot on 18, um, I was like, "All right, I don't think I can screw this up now." <laughs> but uh, I played great golf all week. Um, you know, that's uh, something that I wanted to do. You know, every day I was striking the golf ball really nicely. And um, but the biggest thing was I was able to convert the birdie putts that I really needed to, and also some of the par saves that were momentum swingers for me. So. Uh,
2: One of everybody's favourites, maybe the nicest guy on the tour, Tony Finau, did what very few are able to do these days, go head-to-head with John Rahm on a final day and live to tell the tale and live to win the day. The Mexican Open, it was his sixth PGA event. He finished up at 24-under, three shots ahead of Rahm. Rahm was in that final group after shooting a course record of 61 at Vedanta Vallada. Um, He actually won the event last year and Finau tied for second. Interesting, Nick, that after that second place is when Tony actually went on a bit of a run. Everyone was wondering when he was going to win again. Um, He won three out of the next seven events. And since his last win, he's had eight out of 11 top 10 finishes. And he's now ranked eleventh in the world. He made up five spots with the win and uh, made a, a cool one point
3: three uh, US million as well. What did you make of Finau's win, especially given who it was against? Mm, yeah, it was a big win for him. Uh, sixth on the PGA Tour, four wins in his last eighteen starts. That's a pretty good record. That's absolutely what's that? More than twenty percent, almost twenty five percent. So he um, he's playing some great golf. Has a unique action. Like yeah. his golf swing is very different. A bit. A bit sort of homemade, I guess. He's you could so low, say.
2: isn't he? Like, I look at his knees; he's Hands so low. Hands are really low. Yeah. He's a
3: real tall dude. He's about six four, six five. Yeah, I played with him. I'm thinking almost ten years ago. I think. Yeah. And uh, when he first came out on tour, and I thought, oh, he must have just kind of looks a bit off the street. You know, the way he was dressed and everything, and sneakers, mm. yeah. and had the hoodie on, and all that sort of stuff. But he. He did three-wood about 40 metres past my driver, so I thought, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, this guy's can play. Yeah, and he's okay. He, he's all right, yeah. yeah he, very, very interesting style of putting too. has his hands very low, so the yeah. toe of the putter's well up in the air. So that's very unique uh, in this day and age. But uh, a phenomenal win. He had Ram chasing him in the group with him. That mm. I think that really, for Finau, just uh, reinforces the belief in his game that he has. Mm. Now, if Ram wasn't in his group and he couldn't see what was going on, then you think, okay, well he hasn't. Yeah, I wonder if he would have tried to save it rather than yes, win it. Exactly, knowing him, Bram was in his group, and there were other guys. Yeah. Brandon Wu played well. Uh, Ashkai Batia also a young, uh, he's one to young watch. player. Well, he's a fascinating story. This Batia, twenty-one, he's, yeah, he's twenty-one, turned pro when he was seventeen. Never went to college. That's a very unusual route to take in the U.S. Everyone else goes to college. But he, LeBron, he, he just backed himself, and he's been playing the minor tours. Went to the Corn Ferry Tour, a little bit like LeBron. He's not built like him. I don't <laughs> no, know if you've seen him, but he's a no. he, he's a very thin man. But he's a lefty. I think so his handle going. is actually thicker than, <laughs> <laughs> thicker than him. But he's one to watch in the future. But uh, impressive win by Finau. I mean, he had his whole family there. It was quite yeah, a, it was amazing. It was six. Six, uh, six in the family's wife and his four kids. And then about an hour or two after he won, he went back out in the golf course and caddied for his kids. I mean, how good's that? If Incredible. you haven't
2: seen full swing on Netflix, the episode, which features him as one of the two golfers. Yeah you'll get to know everything you need to know about a a truly who seems to be a beautiful man and and a great family and um, a really interesting story. It's not the um, common path that he tread to get to where he's got to now. So really worth a look at that. Can we just talk about John Rahm for a minute? This year is already a record breaker and we're only halfway through it. So he gets um, 839,000 US for coming second in Mexico. His 2022, 2023 season total is now 14.462 million. Scotty Scheffler amassed fourteen zero four six last season in its entirety. Rahm has already beaten that halfway through, and we haven't even played the fifteen million. Um, what's? Oh, my mind's just gone blank here. At the end of the year, that the the winner gets.
3: Oh, the FedEx. Count, the FedEx. Yes, yeah.
2: yeah, so we haven't even got to FedEx yeah. stage yet. He's won four times from twelve starts since October, including the Masters. That's meant. Eight of those events, he's been inside the top 10. He's going to skip the next two at Wells Fargo, Quail Hollow in North Carolina. That's a $20 million event. And the at and Byron Nelson before the PGA Championship on the 18th of May. I mean, what more can you say about a season where you've broken the money record halfway through? And I know that's, and again, that's a part of the live effect because there's more money
3: on offer. But halfway through the year, Nick. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, the... Well, they're playing for $20 million now on a regular basis with these designated events that they have Mm. uh, elevated the prize money. And as you say, that is a result of the live effect. They don't want to be left behind in the prize money stakes. So all these players are playing for double, triple almost the amount what they normally do. So these, these prize money records are going to get broken. However, the record he's putting together this season is phenomenal. Number one in the world, obviously has the Masters already. He could easily win two or three of these things, the majors this year. Well, let me ask you about that. Because Tigers 2000, he won nine events in
2: 20 starts, three majors. That's insane. That's a Hall of Fame career in a year. He had four Um, in a row too. Yeah. Runner up four times and made the cut every time he played. So, Rams halfway through the year has four wins, one major. I mean, he... This, at this trajectory, he might not quite get to that, but he's going to be giving it a nudge
3: if he can maintain it. If he, And there's no reason why he can't too. His game is just built for longevity. The way he swings the club, uh, you know, his fitness levels and, and how, I guess at peace he is with everything mm. off the golf course at the same time as well. So he's got an, a young family with him all the time on the road and, and he's loving life and loving golf, um. The thing about John is he can have a bit of a hothead at times out on the golf course and whether that gets to him or not at certain yeah. times, who knows?
2: I loved in the moment on the green where he, and I love it when the players do this, they go, they they put etiquette out of the way for the, the greater etiquette, which is give the moment to, mm. to the to the player who's about to win it. Get, have your part, quickly finish it up and get out of the way. While they're waiting for the other player in the group to do that, um, he just put his arm around tony. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's that's a that's a beautiful moment here. I mean, Rams on a, on a tear, but he he put aside whatever he was feeling to get around this guy um who everybody seems to love to 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 celebrate with him.
3: Yeah, well, Tony, as you say, he's one of the nicest guys out on tour. It's hard not to like him and Ram. He's had his fair share of wins, so he doesn't probably mind giving one or two up. And uh, it just goes to show the type of guy that he is. And, and all those competitors, they know that at the end of the day, they're just competing as hard as they can. If they don't win, well, mm. if a good bloke or a good friend, as Tony is to John, obviously, wins, well, then that's great for the game of golf.
2: Uh, speaking of winning, this person becomes the first to, to ever win two live events in a row.
0: Sergio must make this little stubby chip that he's got. Sure, he wants to fly again, alright. Sergio. Oh, it had a good line. It was a gallant effort by Sergio Garcia. But Taylor Gooch, history maker. The first man to win back-to-back live golf titles. It's been a road trip he will never forget. First Adelaide, now Asia. Taylor Gooch takes the Singapore Blig.
2: Uh, he took Singapore out after taking out Adelaide. He defeated Sergio Garcia in a playoff at Sentosa Resort. Um, he's made about $12 million in the last uh, <laughs> week and a bit, uh, which is quite extraordinary. Um, as two was that course in Singapore, by the way. Kepska was third. Um, Cam Smith tied for sixth. Leishman and, and Jed Morgan were tied for 16th and Matty Jones 30th. Range goats win the team side. Ripper GC came sixth. Um, he's played... Phenomenal golf in the last two weeks, Taylor Gooch. Yeah, and his caddy, Mal
3: Baker from WA, <laughs> he's loving it as Isn't well. He it? <laughs> <laughs> he's made over a million dollars himself in yeah. Aussie money. That's we hear sure. the
2: tax man took a fair bit of Taylor Gooch's well, uh, Adelaide purse, but yeah,
3: quite a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. But no, I've played uh, Sentosa a few times, the Singapore Open when it was uh, on there uh, several years ago, and. Uh, the temperature that you got to deal with, obviously the humidity and the heat and uh, the rough around the golf course, it is a tricky golf course, but they set it up for scoring and he's obviously in fine form, so all credit to Taylor, back to back. Yeah, got himself an invite to the PGA Championship as well, which is interesting, Yes, uh, and so too to Anuban
2: uh, L- L- Lahiri, who will be
3: there, so... Didn't get invited to the US Open, though.
2: No. <laughs> there's, there's they will be at the PGA Championship, though, which is, again, quite fascinating, given the state of play with invitations to live players, the rankings. We'll talk about that, but we'll take a break now and come back with the world number 42. Lucas Herbert will be our special guest on Off The Tee after this on SEN.
0: Lower your score and improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pureform Golf. This is Off The Tee with Sam Hargraves and Nick O'Hearn. Further
3: right than the last time, that's for sure.
0: And oh.
3: It hit somebody. That was a big break. It was going way in there. Now it's on the cart path. He might have a play. Huge break. (laughs) he have arrived late this week, but he has made up for the lost time and it is a victory for Australia's Lucas Herbert. Uh, it
2: certainly was, and what a victory it was. One of the great recovery shots you will see out of the scrub on the second hole of the playoff to claim his third DP World Tour event, the ISPS Hunter Championship in Japan. And as you heard there, he might have arrived late, uh, but he was where he needed to be on time uh, when it mattered most. And he's been good enough to be with us Tonight on off the tee, one of Bendigo's finest, uh, Lucas Herbert. Hello, mate.
1: Hey boys, how you doing?
2: Uh, we're all the better for speaking to you. Um, how does it feel to hear that commentary back and just to relive that moment uh, when you're able to make that save and, and get that win?
1: Yeah, very very cool. Um, I mean, I've been what's the replay plenty of time now just to uh, just to. Re- relive that one over and over but um yeah very nice to uh to get it done there and and, yeah like you said very cool
2: hey lucas i don't ever miss a chance to um pump up the fact that you're from bendigo as am i and uh get very parochial and proud when watching you do what you're doing at the moment but just talk us through your golf journey how you found golf um how you got started in the game in bendigo Oh, we might have uh, we might have lost our man here. So I'm going to end that and I'm going to call him back, Nick, and we'll just do this the joys of live radio. Yeah. Cuz we're doing it over WhatsApp. Ah. Okay. So we're going okay so far.
3: <laughs> this is good, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a contestant and you have won.
1: Have you got Got me again, yeah?
2: We've got you there,
3: mate. We're uh, we're still live on air, but we've
2: got you back loud. Yeah, that's that's okay. Uh, I was just asking. Tell us about your journey yeah, into golf. How you found the game?
1: Yeah, so both grandparents played. Definitely both my granddad's and then um, grandma on my dad's side. Um, so that was part of the family. I think it was sort of one of those one of those things, a bit of a rite of passage that you just had to play. Um, and then when I was probably about ten years old, I um, you know I i would basically been swinging clubs since I was, you know, two or three years old. But um, when I got to about 10 years old, that was when I sort of probably worked out that I was I was pretty good at um, at what I was doing and um, kind of enjoyed, I was always just a competitive kid, really enjoyed the whole, um, really enjoyed just the whole competing side of it, you know, just wanting to be almost like an adult, a like grown up and, and do things like a big kid. So um really enjoyed doing doing that and sort of golf was golf became my passion um played a bunch of other sports but just i was kind of always a small bodied kid so i was worried about getting hurt so I got to just... hey
3: lucas it's uh nick o'hearn here great to chat with you uh mate i i remember playing with you at royal pines a few years ago uh, at the australian pga championship the first time i guess i'd seen you play and impressive was an understatement i think you went and shot 65 that first round which is just incredible. Um, one of the questions I guess I've got for you today was you've been in the top 50 in the world, probably top 40 to 60 range for the last couple of years. Um, you know, what, what do you think the next step is in the in the, pro- in the pro- progression of your game to really maybe even get inside the top 30, 20, even the top 10 eventually?
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. I got those kind of words. I do remember playing um, with yourself at Radar Pines. Um, yeah, look, I think... Um, I felt like I was on a pretty good track towards the end of 2021 there. And then um, finally sort of getting on the PGA tour full time is almost, it just takes a little bit of time to sort of settle in. Um, You know, these guys have played all these courses so many times and, and they know exactly what they're doing and just, you know, doing that for the first time around, not sort of, you know, just almost, I I almost felt like I was reinventing my business um, in a way of, of, you know, turning myself into a US tour player. Um, It's sort of, it probably took a hit on my world ranking um, to a degree, and and it looked like we didn't really have too much of a successful um, you know 18 month period there of sort of first being on the PGA Tour. But um, I do feel like I'm on the right track. I feel like we're we're making some really good progress. Um, Tightened up, definitely dispersion with driver, um, which has been something that's killed me a lot uh, when I've gotten to the US. Um, and I just just think like just getting used to playing golf over there a lot more. It's it's probably a different. Brand of golf than what we're used to playing in Australia or even over in Europe. So um, you know, I, I don't. It's just a slow process. Other so really lucky and they pick it up straight away. But I'm just trying to stay really patient with it. Um, I think I'm doing the right things. I'm just just need to stay on that track, and I think I will get better. Um, you know, I'd love to get the top ten in the world, um, possibly. So uh, it's just you know, golf. Golf's not a race. It's you know, it's a slow sort of process to build it all up. Um, you know, if I could get the top ten in the world. By the time I'm 35, which is in eight years' time, I think I've done really well. So just not in a rush, just trying to make sure I um, you know, enjoy the process and, uh, and really you know, make sure I stick to it so it can take care of itself.
3: Uh, it's music to my ears. I'm okay. glad you're thinking along those lines. That's a, an awesome attitude you have there. Uh, are, are you looking this year to play both tours, the, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, or are you just going to mainly focus on, on over in the US? <laughs> Did we lose him again? we may have lost him
2: again unless someone else is ringing him at the same time. (laughs) We
3: got you back, Lucas.
2: Is someone else ringing you while we're on here with you? Are they?
1: I got no idea, but I must be in some terrible reception. Yeah. um, I've I've obviously played a little bit for the start of the year. So, um, you know, I've I've been able to, been able to play some golf over there and and obviously um, get some good results to be right, right up there on that race to Dubai. So, Um, I feel like now I can focus a lot of my efforts for the rest of the year on the PGA Tour and and obviously try and get into that top 50 on the FedEx Cup to to play all those bigger events next year and, um, you know, really sink my teeth into those. So I think I'll probably focus a lot of my efforts there um, towards the rest of the year, but um, obviously playing the odd event here and there where I can in in Europe is also, um, you know, makes that that schedule a worldwide schedule and, and it's something I enjoy doing.
2: Lucas, the win in Japan, so you come off the back of a fantastic tournament at the match play, you made the final 16, you go down to Rory McIlroy, but geez, you made him earn it. As you said, he had to play his best golf to beat you. It leaves you 51st in the world, needing to be inside the top 50 to get that invitation to the Masters. I'm sure you were gutted um, with how that unfolded. to back that up in that with that disappointment to get that win in the very next tournament you play, just talk us through how you deal with the initial disappointment and then be able to refocus yourself despite missing flights and having to get there without even seeing the course to get that win. Just talk us through how all that played out mentally for you.
1: Yeah. um, Like I said, it was obviously disappointing to, to miss Augusta, but I think probably a few things were in my favor. I obviously played it in 2022. So, It didn't feel like... uh, I think if I hadn't have played it in 2022, it would have really hurt because I, you know, had never played it before. But I knew that I played it before. I knew I'll play it. I know I'll play it again. Um, It's a great opportunity to do it. You know, the reality is you're going to miss out sometimes. There's always going to be someone who misses out by one spot. So, um, you know, that on top of the fact that I played basically the best golf I could play that week at the match play, you know, I... Everything was on the line for me right there. I knew exactly what I needed to do at the start of the week. I needed to, to at least get to that round of 16. And then, you know, I think if I made it to the quarterfinals, that was, that was pretty much a lock-in for Augusta. So I knew what was, exactly what was in front of me. I knew exactly, you know, what, I, what was on the line for me. And I came out and played probably the best golf I've ever played, really. Um, and that was the thing that I could take away from it, and know that like I didn't have any regrets from from that week um, for not getting into Augusta. I I did everything I absolutely could have um, to to get there, and it took Rory McIlroy playing his basically his A game to beat me. So, um, you know, I t- I took a lot out of that week rather than than really getting down in the dumps about Augusta. Um, and then obviously, like you said, th- there was a lot of a lot of mix-ups and and whatnot traveling to Japan, and it's it's kind of one of those things as a pro golfer, you just have got to have that really flexible mindset to be able to to succeed in some of these occasions. And I just, I knew going into the tournament that I, you know, I wasn't going to be able to potentially get an advantage tactically on the rest of the field, um, you know, knowing the golf course better than anyone else. But I did knew, I, I felt like I was playing good and I, and I knew that if I took that confidence with me into the tournament, obviously just got to get through, you know, maybe the first round or the first two rounds, see the golf course. Um, you know, you know, you have a bit of an extra look on Thursday and Fridays, to where, where, where you need to leave your ball. I was really lucky to, to have those things um, in my favour, and and from that, I was able to you know play some really good golf. Um, and you know, was just lucky enough to fall over the long line at the end. There, you know, kind of not really fire, firing on all cylinders.
2: So we just, I think we just lost you for a little bit there, Lucas. But um, so you're telling me that I was the next question I was going to ask you was who was more disappointed about missing the Masters yourself or the group of Bendigo boys that you were going to take over there? I think you've answered that now. Um, so I'd imagine that the boys were pretty shattered, given how generous you were going to be in taking a crew over there. Is that right?
1: Yeah, the boys were pretty shattered. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I was pretty quick. Like, fellas, it's, it's the same deal next year. Um, we're all in the same boat. We all know that, um, you know, if I, can, if I can play well again, they're all coming over. Um, and I think, I, I feel like for everyone in Australia, the Masters almost a bit of a pipe dream, actually.
2: I think we just lost you. Uh, I think we just lost you.
1: I think we just I'm lost you a little bit there, mate. I think we got you. It just was like such a... Not again. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it feels a bit of a pipe dream sometimes for the boys to... So you know, as a as a lifelong dream to go to Augusta and and experience it, but when it was a bit more real in front of them, um, you know, I think they, I think they got a bit nervous there. So it was definitely good fun that week at the match play, um, having everyone follow along, knowing sort of what was on the line.
3: Oh, that's awesome! Well, you missed the Masters, unfortunately, but you do get to play the PGA Championship in a few weeks at uh, Oak Hill uh, Country Club up there in Rochester, do you know much about the course there? And are you going to pay a bit of an early visit, or just take it as the week comes?
1: Um, I had a little bit of a look online the other day actually. Um, found some videos. It looks like they've done a redesign. Um, original Donald Ross design. You know, they've just kind of um, uh, just brought it, sort of brought it back to, to what he kind of envisaged more than what it had turned into. Um, I've played a few Donald Ross horses and I really love them. So I think the venue looks, will suit me quite nicely. Um, so I'm really looking forward to going and playing. I've just sort of started getting back into practice. Um, you know, came back to Australia straight after the win and um, was able to sort of share the victory with with my friends and family a bit. So um, it's uh, I've just sort of got back into practice. It's been it's been nice to sort of get going and sort of refocus to get ready for for the PGA. And you know, I feel like that's probably the one thing in my career that I haven't quite haven't quite done what I wanted to do yet in the majors. I, you know, I'd love to win one one day, but I don't feel like the result at a majors have quite reflected um, the player I am, and you know some of the success I've had on in the regular events for, through the season. Um, I'd just like to do a better job with that, and um, you know maybe maybe set some uh, we get some guys back in Australia, some early alarms to watch me in some later groups in those majors <laughs> and years to come.
2: Uh, Well, you tied for 13th last year at the PGA. I think you were tied for 15th at the Open. So you're trending in the right direction, mate. That's for sure. Now, I know that you're on record uh, and have been emphatic about the fact that you are committed to DP and you're committed to the the PGA. Um, So we won't ask you the the question. I'm sure you get asked all the time is, would you consider going to Live? But I am curious, did you see the Live event in Adelaide? And what were you feeling when you were seeing the, the, the numbers turn out in such a big way for a golf tournament in Australia and and how did that make you feel about the lack of those tournaments from a DP or from a PGA perspective did you take in much of what happened in adelaide
1: no i, di- I didn't really get to watch any of it um obviously he was playing late on the weekend in yeah. um, in japan so just really didn't get a chance to watch any of it um but obviously like i I'd, I'd seen the hype leading up to the event i knew it was i knew it was going to be a big event i knew the tickets had been sold out and, the, and a lot of people obviously we're traveling to Adelaide to go and watch it, which is something we just don't get for any of the other events in Australia. So I knew it was going to be big. I knew Fisher was going to be playing there obviously as well. So, um, you know, it was going to be a big event for, for everyone. And I, I think it was great for Australian golf to, to, to see those caliber of players down on, on our home soil. We just don't get that, you know, if ever, um, it's, it's pretty rare. So I think it was, you know, obviously seemed like a great success in Australia. Um, I just think the one glaringly obvious thing to me was, I think it took me three days after the tournament until I found out who actually won. Um, I think it was a great spectacle of golf and it, and it seemed like a great event that everyone loved going to, but I don't know that the actual result was really the, the main focus of, of what the golf tournament was. And I think, you know, to, to kind of answer the question that you didn't want to ask me, like whilst that still feels like a thing, I, I don't think that's really where I want to play my golf. Like yeah. like I said, I was, as a kid, I was growing up, I wanted to be competitive. I wanted to play against these really good players in the biggest tournaments um, and, you know, just experience that. And I think, you know, when you see an event like Live, obviously great spectacle, you know, it, it was great for Australian golf. And I think, you know, that's going to be a big event um, in years to come throughout, you know, throughout its history in Australia. But to me, it, it doesn't seem like it's got the same level of competition competition as what you know what the regular pga tour events do just because you know purely because of the feedback from the event everyone loved it because of how much of a great social experience it was not not necessarily um yeah mm. like i said it took me three or four days before i actually found out who won the tournament uh,
2: just the last one because we, we before we risk the line maybe playing up on us again so australian golf is in such a healthy place at the moment we were just speaking about hannah's win on the lpga um, they're about to do the team event as well um or oh, we might have we might have just run into trouble there again. Um, in case you are still there, Lucas, uh, with yourself, Min Minwoo uh, climbing up the ranks, uh, you're just one uh, ranking place behind Adam Scott um, at the moment. Um, Jason Day back in form. Um, what you're able to do in Europe and what we've got Australians doing all around the world, you wonder if how big an impact it would be if we could get a DP or a PGA event in Australia, considering the health is already there, but what impact that might make. Um, to get a PGA or a DP World Tour event uh, on Australian shores?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we have two DP World Tour events um, already on our shores. So um, I think it's a lot closer than maybe what people think. Um, it's just, it's really hard. We don't, you know, Australia doesn't have the financial climate to, to facilitate the events that, you know, we're able to host overseas. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of the reality of it. And it's just very hard to get guys to come all the way out. I mean... I think australians have traveled forever we we know what it's like you know Mm. from a very young age unless we're going to go to new zealand to to go overseas we have to travel you know we're going to be sitting on a plane for eight hours you want to talk to any american who wants to travel more than three hours on a plane you know they're they're not interested at all um you know i've had conversation with conversations with players over there in the states that if you offer them three million dollars they wouldn't come to australia just because they're not interested in sitting on a plane for the length of time that you have to sit on it um it's just the reality of the landscape we're in it it's, it's tough we have great golf courses. The guys that do come out, you know, I talked to, talk to Jordan Spieth. Um, I talked to those sort of guys that have come out and played our tournaments in Australia, and they loved it. Um, you know, once they did make the journey down and, and played it, they've absolutely loved playing on our on our golf courses. Um, they can see the tests that it brings, and, and they can see why they're ranked some of the highest courses in the world. Um, it, it's just very hard to, to get a tournament, to get guys to come out here. Um there's not really an amount of money you can offer that's going to guarantee a great field. Um, you've obviously got to run into something like Live where their guys are guaranteed to turn up every week. Um, you know, we've had we've had some PGA Tour events in the past, be it the World Cup or the President's Cup, and, and we have exposed, um, you know, Australian golf fans to that, that kind of climate. So you know, we kind of got to consider ourselves lucky that we have had that um, in years gone by. And, and hopefully it looks like the 2028 20, President's Cup, I think, might be coming back to Australia. So that's, you know, that's going to be another... Another great um, event and spectacle for, for everyone to watch. So um, it's it's just a really hard landscape. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's essentially like trying to get an trying to get an NBA game out to Australia. It's just it, it just doesn't make sense for anyone other than for the people that it's convenient for, which is us. Um. So you know, whilst whilst we've still got the great players from Australia playing, like Adam and Jason, um, obviously Cam as well. Um. You know, whilst we're doing great things in the in the Australian landscape, hopefully we can keep getting all of us to come back out and, and play these events at the end of the year and um, feel like the Aussie golf fans get a taste of that. Um, but as far as getting international players out, at, you know, we're, we're pushing, pushing it up to able to try and do that. And, <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, that's just the reality of the landscape.
2: Uh, mate, it's been great to have you on. Thanks so much for making the time when you're on a, a rest couple of weeks before you head back over and continue to doing what you do. Uh, continue doing what you're doing so well. We appreciate you being with us on Off the Tee and hopefully we're seeing you in a President's Cup in the not-too-distant future. We're fairly sure we will be if you keep going the way you are. Thanks for being with us. We'll chat
1: to you soon. I hope you're all right, boys. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Sorry about the terrible reception I gave you. <laughs> That's Thanks, all Lucas. good.
2: No drama at all. Lucas Herbert, number 42 in the world and tracking very, very nicely. Nick Ahern, we need your tip of the week and we'll do that on the other side of this uh, on Off the Tee.
0: The Rabbit Hole Podcast. The Tyre Power. Know your tyres.
3: Talked about tyres and that you were a service station attendant of the highest order. You used to do a whole grease and oil change. That's right. Story when I went to Gallipoli with your son. Yeah, and don't forget the bit about your old man winning uh, soccer pools as well and why they called you dollars at Melbourne. (laughs) That's right. And then you also said you took Job away so he didn't go to schoolies. He wasn't that impressed until he got to Chelsea. Hell on the rabbit hole this
0: week. Lower your score and improve your game with custom-fitted clubs at Pureform Golf. This is Off the Tee with Sam Hargraves and Nick O'Hearn.
2: It was great to have Lucas Herbert with us for pin golf equipment, a custom-engineered, custom-fit and custom-built to play your best. All the news that we bring you on Off the Tee is for pin golf. Use pin golf equipment so you can play your best. Nick Ahern, there's something you spied uh, when Hannah Green was winning um, in L.A. Um, and so your tip of the week, please, for Mizuno
3: Golf. Hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Uphill bunker shots. Her opponent yes. in the playoff, ji Lin, did not hit a very good uphill bunker shot. And the reason being is she had a nice uh, setup. She really widened her stance, which was great. Then she lent her shoulders back with the slope. That's very important on these shots. But she just didn't take a big enough swing. And if anything, she had too much loft on the club. On uphill bunker shots, don't be afraid to take, rather than your 60 degree, use your gap wedge or even a pitching wedge. That way uh, the ball will go a little bit further because everyone leaves uphill bunker shots short because they hit them a little bit heavy. Well, that is great advice. Very uh, simple.
2: All thanks to Mizuno Golf. Find your nearest stockist or fitter at AU. If you would like to ask Nick Ahern a specific golf question to get a personalized golfing tip. We have our own email address. Off the tee, all one word at sen.com.au. Off the tee at sen.com.au. Email through to us and hopefully we're helping you hit them better. Nick, it's been a pleasure. Always. Always, Sam. Yeah, so we've got that email <laughs> technology. Technology was an interesting part of the show tonight. we did well with WhatsApp Uh, always great to have your company with us on Off the T we do it for Pure Form Golf improve your game with custom fitted clubs at Pure Form Golf the World Games up next happy hitting